Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Wednesday the 1st of June. Today, I am joined for the last time this week because of the Jubilee um, by Alina Kazmi, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. Hey there, Alina. How are you today? I'm very well, Peter. What about yourself? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Um, You know, looking forward to uh, potential jubilee celebrations um i mean i'm i'm the the wildest thing i'm doing at the moment is is going to be going to barbecue uh are, are you are you doing anything at all no just having a good lion <laughs> yeah that's right i mean that's that's got to be the best way to celebrate things like this right i mean uh <laughs> you always want to be uh always want to be awake for the rest of the day um you know feel, feeling good uh right anyway so what story did you um was stood out for you in today's edition of watson's daily the story that stood out to me the most was actually BM's share price crash in trading as it fell by 14% mm-hmm. on news of disappointing pre-tax profits. Now, this was disappointing because investors expected discount retailers to do well during um, sort of these tough economic conditions. Mm. And it was quite shocking because I thought B&M would do really well because not only do they offer cheap groceries, but they also offer cheap furniture, DIY, and like even like gardening um, compost. Like my mum, she loves gardening and she loves their compost and she mm-hmm. gets a really good bargain out of it. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder that if B&M passes on the higher cost to consumers, it wouldn't, it sort of defeats their business business models purpose of like offering value for money so it might mean that customers might be more price conscious when they're going Mm. to B&M so if the prices aren't of a good bargain would that Mm. reduce the demand Mm. yeah I mean I think that that's the thing isn't it really because everyone's feeling the pinch at the moment and um and I guess um you know if you if you if you compare B&M with Little and Aldi, um, Little and Aldi have more of a food offering, don't they? Yeah, exactly. And I think, like, I wouldn't really go to a B&M if I'm going for a food shop because Aldi and Little sort of have a larger variety of food and meat and B&M just doesn't have that. But I, what I would see B&M as or what I would describe it as if, like, someone from like in like in another country was asking me what's a B&M but yeah. I would describe it as like a really big off license with a huge variety because you can get your fairy liquids you can get your um biscuits and confectionery and you can get your pastas and wheat products mixed mm. with like a bit of a B&Q because you can get all of like your um sort of DIY stuff and also hobby craft because they have a lot of like arts and crafts and I guess they're a master of none, but a jack of all trades. But I guess mm. it's not really working for them, especially because the environment that we're in now, everyone is sort of just shopping for the essentials, sort of like the basic foods. And mm. because you can't get everything from B&M, they sort of just resort into Aldi and Lidl because they can complete their full food shop. Whereas mm. with, in B&M, they wouldn't really be going to B&M for that purpose. Mm. I mean, it sounds to me, I mean, we, you know, when we were talking about this earlier, it, sound, it sounds to me like maybe one of the reasons why B&M sort of disappointed in their in their um, sort of results yesterday or, their, you know, the data that they released yesterday 
um, is I wonder whether people think, you know, if you if you are on a tighter budget, you're you're thinking, well, um, I'll go to Aldi or Lidl um, and for all my non food needs, I'll just make do with the the middle aisle, (laughs) Um, you know, whereas maybe you might you might worry potentially um, that that by going to be but if you go to B&M um the the likelihood is you'll you'll go in there say maybe thinking about one item but actually leave there with loads because they're because they're so well priced and you're thinking well I can't really I can't really afford that at the moment I mean I know this sounds a bit weird talking about B&M as a luxury because it's not really I wouldn't say it's a luxury but it's a sort of a like um like more of a it sounds to me like a discretionary kind of place at a in in the budget space I think would would that be fair to say yeah I I think I totally agree because obviously the quality you're getting isn't premium Mm. but the prices are like you're getting a bargain Mm. but I think if they were to increase the prices and the quality of the products are still low quality it sort of defeats the purpose like I would rather go to a B&Q then mm, mm. and I think it's interesting because B&M has like more than 700 um, stores across Britain and France mm. and it sort of lists itself as a range of home garden food and other products but I think because we're going sort of in a world where a lot of people want to purchase foods online like they want to do online shopping but Mm. B&M doesn't have that they have like a website where you can reserve items for in-store collection but Mm. they don't really have delivery options and I think a lot of people they would prefer that Mm. that's quite interesting actually then so it sounds like because I must say I'm not a you know I don't know loads about B&M because I don't have one near me. I've no, I, you know, I, I just looked on, on the map um, before, you know, we, we started here and my nearest one is probably, I'd say about half an hour, 40 minutes away, possibly. So I don't know. I just never come across it at all, but um, it sounds to me like B&M is the, is the Primark um, of, <laughs> of, in, in discounting terms, because that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, if you are not chart, you know, you're, what you're, your your thing is to sell tempting stuff at cheap prices to customers and in in that if that is the case you actually want people to go to your stores so that they will see something and go actually yeah i didn't think i needed that but actually that's pretty good so i will buy one of those and that's sort of where i think primark is coming from where they want people to go to store so they can go oh well i'll get this t-shirt or something and then oh maybe those shorts maybe this maybe that and suddenly they end up with with loads which arguably you wouldn't do if you're if you're doing this online because if you're doing it online you'll just go i need a t-shirt you know boom get a t-shirt boom done you know you move on to the next thing and i think that maybe it sounds to me like B&M is in the same sort of bracket there. Yeah, I think, like like you said, like I totally agree with the Primark example because even when I was at university, I would like to decorate like my university flat and I would just 
purely go to B&M. Like, I wouldn't even look at other stores. I would just purely go to B&M, especially because they had, like, really nice, cheap bedding. Like, John yeah. Lewis was so overpriced. And, like, as yeah. a student, you can't really afford it. Yeah. And so when I would go to B&M, I would get, like, bedding that looks so deluxe even though it wasn't very comfortable to sleep in but you get used to it (laughs) (laughs) okay but it looks really good especially when your friends are over so you looked really like expensive but (laughs) yeah okay and yeah i guess it's like fast fashion like the clothes look good even if they don't feel good at least they look good yeah and if like and like i guess like even like when you like wash like your bedding, of course, like I washed my bedding. Thank <laughs> like, God. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. So obviously it starts to get really fluffy because the quality yeah. isn't that great. But yeah. Yeah. I think it's a lot easier to like sort of just buy new bedding, which mm. will cost like seven to ten pounds rather than sort of like so that way you get sort of like a new style rather than like buying like really expensive bedding and sort of sticking to the same style, which is why mm. I think fast fashion is doing well because you have so many different outfits or clothes and for cheap prices rather than reusing one of good quality yeah. and sort of sticking to the same style. Yeah. Yeah. No, fair enough. I mean, it's, 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 uh, yes, it, it, it does sound like, um, uh, I, I must say, I, um, the, the, the prospects of crunchy bedding, uh, <laughs> <laughs> at cheap prices, no matter what, depending on what it looks like. Uh, it doesn't sound like something that I would I would I would like. I, I must say I I do like a sort of a nice sheet. <laughs> I'm going to spend a few hours there, so might as well be nice, right? So I don't know, but um, but yeah, I, I mean I can see the appeal. Certainly, I can see the appeal. <laughs> yeah. I think like as a university student, I don't think you really like cared because you just like. <laughs> Just go to sleep in a onesie as well, maybe that'll yeah. that'll that'll, that'll, that'll uh, you know that'll sort it out as well, won't it? If there's if it's not so comfortable, but yeah. yeah so uh, I think it's really good, like for sort of like. And another thing that I really liked about B and M because when I used to do, like shopping for like my university flat, like the stuff that you would buy like they change it every season so it's like a mm. one piece so if I was to buy like an ointment or like a, a sort of like decorative tray I mm. know that in a few months no one would know where it's from unless they mm. bought that same tray or have seen it in B&M because mm. the stock changes and it's a very seasonal thing and every summer season has different decorative pieces and that way like sometimes I used to get like so many compliments I'm like oh where's that from and they're like oh yeah I just bought it I can't remember the store <laughs> <laughs> do, do you did you ever used to get like you know like a knowing glance like you know like a fellow B&Mer you know kind of you saying oh I, I know where you got that from you know giving you a knowing look like it's something like a communication between you that you both know the secret that no one else knows in the room I mean have you ever had that yeah, sometimes, but I think most of my friends they went into like sort of decorating places. Yeah, so I think they didn't really like leverage like the nearest B and M. That sounds very good. I like that Lever- leveraging the local B and M. But no, it's very no, very good. But like, it's, it is interesting though, isn't it? Because I mean, like everyone is talking about uh, you know we, uh, everyone is is feeling the pinch, and you're thinking discounters B and M falls firmly into that, but maybe because it's at the sort of discretionary end of discounters or discretionary spend, maybe that's why they're losing out versus Aldi and Lidl, perhaps. Yeah. On that note, what do you, What was your most interesting story from today? Well, I want to talk today about raspberry picking. 
Now, I know... Nice summary topic. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, raspberry picking. Who knew that Watson's Daily would cover such a topic? But um, I thought it was very interesting um, today. So there was an article in the, in the Guardian that was talking about a breakthrough. Um, I mean, this is going to sound like I'm t- saying a joke or something, but it's not. It's it, So there's there's a, a spin-off um, uh, a company from Plymouth University called Fieldwork Robotics. And what they've done is they've managed to make a robot that can pick raspberries. Um, and they are currently on sale in a lot of major um, supermarkets, uh, robot-picked raspberries. And the reason why this is really amazing is because um, raspberries are some of the mo- more difficult fruit to pick of soft fruits. And it's because and um you know the difficulty has been in trying to make the robot sort of powerful enough to grip everything and and take the um fruit off the you know off the plant um but not be too strong that they squash everything so um this is a, this is a, a you know a major uh, you know a major deal and the idea is is that um in the not too distant future um the idea is that they will be able to pick 25,000 raspberries a day versus humans who can pick only uh, 15,000. Now, given what has been going on in the last uh, couple of years, especially um, with regard to um, uh, labour, the agricultural labour, this could, I think, be huge, not just in this country, but in most countries because if you can um you know use a robot to do to uh, become much more much more um efficient uh, in in you know in what you do you re- reduce the labor costs and be more efficient as well i mean it just sounds it sounds uh, sounds very attractive to farmers at the moment especially in the uk who have um seen the the their um the number of people that want to be pickers um, dwindle hugely um, over, especially Brexit, because most of these workers were seasonal workers that came from um, com- that came from Europe. Um, so it'd be very, very useful for them. Um, and ultimately, you know, it might be it, it, it. Well, it means that we would be less prone to difficulties if there was another pandemic or something you know, the machines would still be working in the fields. So I think it's a really, you know, that that is a very interesting um, potential um, solution for the labour shortage that we're seeing currently. Although, it, you know, it's not going to help them right now, but it will do very soon when they get better. But what do you reckon? Do you think robots are taking everyone's jobs? <laughs> I think it's a fascinating innovation. I wonder, because do you know when you like sort of, by raspberries or any sort of fruit it usually says hand-picked i'm yeah. wondering if they write robot picked because they should do yeah especially because sometimes hand-picked adds that human element to it so yeah. like just the fact that it'll be robot picked i don't know if that would like i guess people still buy their raspberries i don't think it would have like a massive impact no but... it's not like and they're not genetically modified for yeah. instance i mean that's so that's not something that people might sort of be a bit funny about but yeah. picked by robots do you know i think i i've got a marketing idea i think what they should do is they should get um 
they should make some sort of character like a robot character make it into a, a like a birthday cake so it could be a, a competitor for uh colin and um and cuthbert um and they could say look this is i don't know Robbie the robot picking raspberries and suddenly all the kids would absolutely want the raspberries <laughs> that are picked by Robbie the robot. Wow, so... that is a really good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so yeah, I mean you, you heard it here first everyone. Um yeah, Robbie the robot uh, it, it coming coming to uh, uh, you know sort of the, the bakery and the fr- a fresh fruit aisle uh, near you uh, in a, in a supermarket very soon. Um but yeah, I mean I I do think it is it's this then feeds into the the bigger uh, theme of automation. I mean, I, I've been talking about this recently. That you know, I think automation is is in many industries, particularly manufacturing, um, is going to continue to be be a theme. I mean, it, you know, it's been it's not like it's just turned up. I mean, we you know we've had lots of automation um, over the years, and it, it has been um, you know growing. Um, I think a, a, a lot of it was in fa- in um, car factories and things like that. But we've seen the growing amount of, of automation going on. I think that the labour shortages uh, and things um, you know over uh, COVID has really really accelerated the demand and development. And I think I've mentioned before a Japanese company that is I think the biggest um, maker of industrial robots in the world. Called uh, one of those companies that no one's ever heard of unless you've heard of it, um, which is called Fanuc, which is spelled F-A-N-U-C. Um, you know those kinds of you know we're seeing we're seeing um, the increased automation and actually I would say you know if there are people out there listening to this who are wondering about what uh, their career you know what kind of careers and things they they want to take on in the future um, I would always say to someone that you know you should also you should really think about whether the job that you're thinking of doing could be automated now that's I'm not just talking about you know, out in the fields picking raspberries, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff going on at the moment with, say, um, contracts, you know, the automatic generation of contracts and things like that. Um, and I, I, I don't know because I'm, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but, you know, what about things like conveyancing? You know, yeah. anything within law that, let's say, that it will, anything, not just within law, but within everything, anything that you think I would say that is very process driven, um, I think is liable to automation. So it's not just being out in the fields, you know, the so-called blue collar stuff. I think it's it's very much a theme with white collar work as well. But what do you reckon? I totally agree. I think it's good in a sense that we'll have more of a skill for labour. So rather mm. than you picking raspberries you'll be like using the technology to control these robots who are picking those raspberries so Mm. it provides it moves us to more of a skillful labor and although there may be some talent lost in sort of the actual picking the raspberries but we'll have a talent in a different area so I don't think that robots would take our jobs <laughs> but mm. and also like you were saying like yeah even with accountancy before you'd have like bookkeepers and you'd have to like do all these ledgers which are now like you mainly use on excel and like with um conveyancing because there's a lot of like administrative work a lot of the time softwares can do most of the work for mm. you mm-hmm. but I guess you still need a person that can manage it all because 
technology does make errors and sometimes technology doesn't understand like sort of the needs of clients or like that emotional intelligence yeah so I think you'd still like need humans in every sector but I do think that like especially like manufacturing so like with like car manufacturers before like they were like petrol and diesel cars but if they didn't change their skill set to work with electronic cars which right now there is a shortage of um sort of um manufacturers who can um sort out electric vehicles and like problems Mm. with electric vehicles so i think we do need to need we need retraining on how to work with sort of like to sort of keep up with technology advancing Mm. we need to also skill up i guess yeah i mean that's what they're doing isn't it at places like um i mean amazon has been doing that hasn't it because of you know obviously it is seeing that i mean it uses it is using more automation and in a in a bid to try to help their staff um transition um they they are just, I mean, it's not just Amazon that's doing this, but other companies doing this as well to try to, up, as you say, upskill people into the jobs that will be around in the future. So, um, so yeah, but, uh, but anyway, I think we better stop it there. But it's a, it's a fascinating subject, this. I mean, I know it all started with raspberry picking, but it is the, the, whole, um, the whole theme of automation um, in in both blue collar and white collar uh, employment is going to be a theme that will just run and run. Um, and I think that whereas in the past people have seen automation as more of a blue collar thing, um, it most definitely is something that people need to think about with regard to uh, white collar jobs as well. So, uh, so anyway, on that note, um, I think we're going to end it today um, before the jubilee celebrations and stuff kicking in um and yeah i mean i i hope you have a a lovely weekend alina um you know when when you you know maybe you'll go would you think you'll go to b&m no not anytime soon or or uh pick your own um pick your own non-robotic uh raspberries at all maybe in the summer when the weather's (laughs) a little better (laughs) yeah no fair enough yeah uh anyway right well look um thank you very much it's really great to speak to you um thank you very much for this week um thank you very much for uh for listeners for listening have a great um great long weekend whatever you're up to and uh we'll be back again soon so many thanks bye